You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of RedLegNation.com. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio. We're really happy today to be spending some time with Red Beat writer from the Cincinnati Enquirer, John Fay. John, thanks for being with us today. My pleasure. So, so tell us about Goodyear, the facilities, the town. I, I was I was impressed with the facilities. Uh, they were a huge upgrade over uh, Sarasota. Um, I think for the players to get their work done much better place. Um, they have video rooms that would be, you know, the players get a lot of video with pitchers and hitters now. And in uh, Sarasota, you know, they just had a card table set up in the locker room with a laptop on it. And, and here they had a, you know, a video room with about eight different computers and, and that kind of stuff. And I think, you know, that, that's just one of an example of the difference. And, um, you know, I, the, the, the town of Goodyear, I would compare it to an area like Westchester. It's, it's very new. Um, there's, uh, you know, a lot of uh, typical suburban stuff you've seen cropped up around it. But it was a, you know, I, I liked Arizona because the the ballparks are a lot closer. You know, the, the farthest trip beginning next year will be like a half an hour and 45 minutes once the teams move out of Tucson. So, now, I was overall, I, I liked it well. I was, pretty, I, I was actually pleasantly surprised. Did you, did you suffer from Daiquiri deck withdrawal? A little bit, a little bit, but, you know, there, that's the thing. It, it didn't have any, you know, places with a character, you know. It, didn't have a, it doesn't have a lot of local places or a lot of local flavor like Sarasota did. Well, let's, let's move on to the ball club. Uh, and I think when you're talking about this Reds team now, you have to start with the pitching. In the in the years that you've been covering the Reds, and I know you were a fan before that, have you ever seen the kind of pitching talent this organization has that they have right now? I've never seen the, the depth, um, you know, and I, someone like Marty Brenneman would tell you the same thing. You know, he, of course, goes back, a, you know, basically 30 years. Um, I, I You know, I think if you look at the, the rotation that they have in Louisville this year um, with uh, – it's going to be, uh, you know, Chapman, Wood, um, uh, Matt Maloney, Justin Lear, and um, Sam LaCool. I, I think at in 205 that the, the Reds rotation wasn't quite that good. I, you know, I think they had some young, really good arms. Um, you know, and they also have two 23-year-old guys, or three 23-year-old guys in the rotation, uh, the, the, the Reds rotation. So, I think the, the overall depth, uh, the good young arms, is just um, it's a major upgrade over what they've had in the last, you know, 20 years, 30 years. So, so what are your initial thoughts on, on Brian Price? Yeah, you know, it's, it's hard to tell. Um, you know, it's, it's always you got to see the results. Um, you know, he's a very knowledgeable guy. He's an interesting guy. He, he's a good quote. Um, and he's thoughtful, but I think, you know, you got to see the results. And um, I think the biggest thing with him is if he can get Aaron Harang turned around. Um, you know, yesterday, Harang didn't have a, a great start, but um, he was throwing 93-94. And I didn't see that from him at all last year. I mean, there were, there were starts last year where he wouldn't hit in the 90s. So I think, you know, despite the fact that he gave up four runs, three earned runs, you know, I think that that's that's a – encouraging sign but again with him it's results you know you, you got to win games and you know while they do have some depth and some young guys uh, you know Johnny Cueto just dropped off the second half of last year so he's another guy to see if, if uh, Brian Price can get a, a full year out of him and, and get better results but um, you know I think he was a very sought after pitching coach I think it's a good hire he's, you know uh, he's got the reputation. He's had results other places, but I think it's too early to say this guy's going to turn it around until until you start to see the results. Yeah, I think it's been. I thought it was interesting that he said that this was a good time to come to the Reds as pitching coach. Oh yeah, you know, I, I mean, when you've got a guy that uh, a left-hander that throws 100 miles an hour and doesn't make your rotation, that tells you your depth's pretty good. And you know, when you're talking about these guys and you got ball. Quez coming, you know, I think he'll be ready in uh, 
probably late July, early August. Uh, and, you know, I just seeing him a little bit in Arizona, he looks really good. So I, I think, you know, looking forward to next year, if they don't bring back Harang and, and Bronson Arroyo, they, they've got six guys uh, when you count Travis Wood and Mike Leake, Homer Bailey, Johnny Cueto, uh, Edison Balkwa. That, that's pretty good, uh, you know, uh, depth of a rotation where, you know, you're, you're going to have a guy who's a fifth starter who's going to be a pretty good um, – pretty good starting pitcher so I, yeah I think you know the, the depth of, uh, of pitching both um, at the high levels of the minors you know and they had a lot of uh, you saw Logan Andruzic yesterday um, you know I think they've got a lot of guys that are close to major league ready and, they, and, when, and I think you, you need depth because you're going to use at least 15-16 pitchers through the course of the year. You, you mentioned Andruzic and before we, we go on with the, with the starters can you think of a better, uh, maybe a better story than this kid? I mean, from all, from everything we heard, he was two weeks from being released last year in spring training. Yeah, he's, you know, he's one of these guys that, um, you know, he, he picked up another pitch, and um, this guy Tom Brown, who's the um, the uh, Carolina pitching coach, taught him this this uh, you know split fingered fastball. That, that, you know, gives him great movement. He's a guy I think, you know, I saw yesterday through 93-94. He's a big guy, you know. But you need a, you need another pitch. And, um, and his numbers last year were just incredible. It's a guy that started out in single A and, you know, made it up to triple A and had a, a 1-5-0 ERA, you know, a 4-1 record. Um, and, and, you know, he, he looked he looked uh, great in spring, and he just kind of carried over yesterday, you know, real easy 1-2-3 inning. In in the spring, do you think if Jared Burton pitches better, do you think there's any way Andrusa could ma- could have made this team? Yeah, I think it was a combination of both. I think Andrusa put him in a position where you know the thing you have to do if if you're in his position and um, uh, Del Rosario didn't do it and uh, you know about uh, Quet didn't do it, you have to pitch really well early so they'll keep you another week or two and then. You know, all of a sudden, when you get to the end of spring and, and you haven't given up any runs, and, and Jared Burton, who I, you know I think is a, a good pitcher and it'll be effective member of the bullpen again, was you know was struggling, he gave up four run, four home runs in eight innings. So, you know, he kind of forced their hand. I, yeah, I think if if Burton had pitched the way he had at the end of last year, he probably would have made the team. And you know, I mean, it wouldn't have been a bad move for Andrusic to go back to Triple A because he only spent you know I think twenty games there or something like that last yeah. year, but. You know, like like I said, he forced their hand. Do Do you think this is a a big year in the in the career development of Johnny Cueto? I think so. I, you know, I, I you know I read and hear people say that, that the guy hasn't progressed at all. But he he went from nine and fourteen to eleven and eleven. He dropped about a, a half a point off his ERA, and you know he, he was having a terrific year last year, and he, he just sort of ran out of gas. And I you know I don't think I think. They didn't want him to pitch in the World Baseball Classic, but you, if a guy wants to, you got to let him. That's the way it works. I mean, that's Bud Selig's baby. So I think, um, you know, that on top of winter ball, um, just the guy got worn out. So, you know, he didn't do that this year, uh, didn't pitch winter ball at all. And I think you may see him get hit around a little more early because of that. He's not going to be as sharp coming out of the gate. But, you know, he's, he's a guy still, he's, you know, Homer Bailey's age, some of these prospects you talk about are, are older than him. You know, Andruzic, a guy who comes out of nowhere and makes the team out of out of spring training, two years older than Cueto. So I, I think it's it's a, you know, I think if he just takes the next step and maybe goes to uh, where he wins 13, 14 games, gets his ERA down below four, that's kind of the normal progress. Um, but we saw what we saw from him in the first half last year. He's capable of being very good. I, you know, I uh, doing something today, and I looked it up. He was a two and zero with a one seven six ERA against the Cardinals last year. So he, you know, he he showed signs, but he just got. I think he got tired at one point, and it just you know it, it killed his numbers overall. Yeah, I I agree with you completely. You know, and I think the other thing we as fans sometimes forget is with these young guys, they're going to have ups and downs, and they're going to struggle at times. Yeah, you know, like I said, if if he can just make the the natural, you know, he won two more games last year than he did the year before, and he lost uh, three fewer. That's 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 pretty good progress. Uh, 
you know, and the, and the guy was eight and four with a two three ERA at, at the All Star break. So, you know, I, obviously something affected him in the second half. You know, I guess I, I had kind of forgotten that he went on the DL with a you know shoulder soreness, but I think it was just he was just tired, and uh, you know they gave him the rest, and he came back. He was pretty good after he he got the rest, and you know he finished well to get to get the five hundred was a big deal. I think he uh, you know won two or three of his last starts. The guy that finished very strong for the Reds was, was Homer, and you haven't heard much about him this spring. Has, has the has the media spotlight being on Chapman helped Bailey kind of stay under the under the radar? Do you think? Well, I, I think it, it, it may have in a way. I think Homer would rather not deal with the attention, and he didn't have too much this spring. Um, and he had a good spring. He, you know, he I think all, almost all of them were bad in their last start, but before that, I thought he was every good as every bit as good as Chapman early on, you know, he, he, he threw strikes, he was getting it up there, at, you know, 93, 94 miles an hour, and he, he's a guy that tends to get stronger as the season goes on, um, you know, and with with a lot of guys, when, when you look at a, a strong finish, you're talking, you know, four, five, six starts, well, you know, he, he went seven and one with a, uh, or six and one with a 170 yards A from August, 23rd, I think, to the end of the season. That, that's a pretty extended period of time. Um, and, you know, the guy was, was the number one or two pitching prospect in baseball a few years ago. And, and sometimes it takes longer for the light to go on. To You know, he, get, he got beat around um, two years ago, probably like he never had in his life. And it, it makes you reevaluate things. He went and he worked with the pitching coach at uh, Texas and uh, got some of the velocity back. And, you know, at the end of the last year, he was throwing 97. So, you know, when when these guys throw in the upper 90s, it makes a big difference. Uh, if if you're throwing 91, 92, and you have an off day, they they get to you usually. But you know, Homer can dial it up like that. Cueto can, um, uh, and people are gonna be stunned when they just see how hard this chap can throw. So, you know, I, I think uh, back to Homer. I, I you know, this is a, a big year for him. To you know, he'll he'll tell you that too. He he made nine or ten good starts, but. To be an effective pitcher, you gotta you gotta do it over 34, 35 starts of the whole year. And um, you know, I think he's I think he's in good shape. I think he, he throws hard enough. He's got the pitches, and it's just a matter of uh, executing on a on a you know every fifth day. A lot of people seem to be saying that if the Reds are going to be competitive this year and for a playoff spot, wild card, whatever, that a lot of it is going to come down to how well Homer progresses. Do you agree with that? I think that actually, I think the biggest key is Aaron Harani. You know, he's in the number one starter slot, and they just can't have him win six games next year, this year. Um, you know, like he has the last two years. And I, I think if, if I had to put two people who things revolve around more, I, I would say Aaron Harani and uh, Jay Bruce. Uh, you know, if Bruce can be a productive guy, you know, hitting. 260, 270, if his power is going to be there. If he, if he gets 500 at-bats, he's going to hit 30 home runs. Um, and, you know, he, he was going to do that last year, but he his, his batting average was, you know, in, in the, it was 208 when he got hurt. So he has to hit more than that. And I think I think Homer's, uh, you know, part of the picture, but he, he's the number four starter. He's not being counted on tremendously, but I, I think he's in a position where he can kind of surprise people. But, I, you know, and, and there's there's other guys that fit in that category. There's a lot of guys. When you have a young team, the core of this team is young. You, you have a lot of unproven guys. So there, you know, there's there's questions about, you know, a half a dozen guys on on this team. Just you know, you don't know exactly what you're going to get from them, and and whether the Reds compete or not, it, it depends a lot on on what those guys do. We talked to to Chris Welsh a couple of weeks ago, and. He was drooling all over himself talking about our oldest Chapman. Tell us, tell us about what you thought of what you saw of Chapman out there. Well, I, I, you know, I think he would have made the team. I think he would have been the fifth starter if he hadn't had that little back issue because he was just, uh, I mean, he he was unbelievable out there. Uh, you know, what you heard about him when they got him and what scouts said, there was some question about his control, and you know, he he never showed that. He uh, it, after. You know, in his last outing, I think he walked three and struck out three. But before that, I think he had a uh, ten strikeouts and two walks. And you know, I saw him throw almost every time he threw, whether it was in a bullpen session or whatever. And I, you never saw him wild, except for the time when he he had the back issue. I think he threw 
one wild pitch, you know. And, but other than that, I mean, you'd rarely see the, the him throw a ball in the dirt or over the catcher's head. And, it, you know, he just, uh, in, in the games, he'd get behind sometimes and he was able to, you know, come back and, and um, you know, get 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 strikeouts and just big outs. And, it, you know, he, he throws 100 miles an hour. I, you know, since I've been covering the Reds, I haven't seen anyone ever hit 100 miles an hour on the radar gun. And, he, you know, he did it fairly – Every every one of his outings except the one where he had the back, he at least did 101 times. And interesting thing about him was that his, his really his best outing, the one that you know got everyone excited, was the the outing against the Dodgers when he was pretty much going against their A lineup and he struck out uh, Matt Kemp and Andre Ethier and uh, or no, it was Casey Blake. You know he struck them out back to back, Kemp and, and and Blake. He struck them both out on um, change-ups, and one was 83 and one was 90, you know, and just to throw a 90-mile-an-hour change-up, and, it, you know, and those are two really good hitters, professional hitters. Uh, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I think there's going to be bumps in the road, but I, this guy just has off-the-chart talent, and uh, to be, you know, a left-hander who throws 100 miles an hour, he's very athletic, his, his other pitches are pretty good, his, you know, there were days when his slider was really good and you know, it just referred to his changeup. So, you know, I think you'll see this guy pretty soon, and I think he's going to be really good. I mean, it's, it's never guaranteed, but um, he certainly has a, you know, a, a toolbox like no one else they've, they've had in forever, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, I, I asked Chris what the ceiling was on, on him, and he said best pitcher in baseball is probably a ceiling. Yeah, you know, I... I heard a you know a National League scout say he throws harder than Strasburg and his slider is much better than Strasburg's and you know another scout said he's got the best changeup on the Reds right now. Now, Volquez isn't. You know, I think if you put him in the equation, he probably has the better changeup than than uh, uh, Chapman. But you know when when you've got those when you throw a hundred and you've got two other above average major league pitches, that's that's a pretty good combination there. So yeah, I, you know there's there's a lot that can happen along the way, but. Um, this guy just—it just does seem like he could—he could be the best pitcher in baseball. Were you surprised that they—they they brought Leak up, or they're going to bring Leak up as the number five over Wood? Did that—did that—did that move surprise you? Um, no. I—I I mean, I, Wood was the easier move. He was on the roster. He's left-handed. Um, but I, I think one of the things that played into it, and a lot of people haven't mentioned, is. That first start is against the Cubs, and the Cubs are a real right-handed lineup, so I don't think you want to run a left-hander out against them in his, his major league debut. And the thing that struck me about Leak is he's just very calm, very cool. You know, he, you can tell he's very confident. He's laid back. He's real soft-spoken. But, you know, he, he went out there and, and faced these lineups like he was, you know, still at Arizona State. He, he had won his – I think it was his first outing was against um, – uh, the Angels, and they, it was pretty much their A lineup, and you know he, he looked good. I, he, uh, you know, I, not not to say he's going to be as good as him, but if, if you want to compare him to somebody, he's a little like uh, Greg Maddox. He he doesn't throw extremely hard, but he has pinpoint control. He knows how to pitch, and his ball moves. So, uh, you know, I, and he he was better than than Wood. Um, I think he got hit a little more, but Wood was walking too many guys. I think he had, you know, 12 innings, and he had like nine walks, and I, I just don't – I think that hurt him. And, um, you know, that last start, when you come down to it, and they, they're basically saying we're going to look at these two guys and in their last start, they started on the same day, and, mm-hmm. and Lee just had such, so much better day. I think that and the fact that he's facing the Cubs in his first start kind of clinched it. you think some of these moves that, that Walt Jockety and, and Dusty Baker made – I mean, they talk about wanting to get off to a good start, but it sure seemed like they were doing making the moves they needed to make, no matter what, to put the best what they felt were the best twenty five guys on this team at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I, I think the only guy that you might be able to argue about a little bit would be Mike Lincoln. Um, he didn't pitch that well in spring training. You know, if you just were going on results, maybe Burton makes it instead of him. Although Burton didn't have a great year either. But um, other than that, I, the move with Aaron Miles was. Basically, you're eating $2.7 million in salary to take uh, Miguel Cairo over Aaron Miles. Says you're pretty serious about trying to put the best team out there. You know, and then the deal with Lee, too. Um, the one that surprised me was, uh, was uh, 
Vladimir Valentin. You know, I, I thought he was going to make the team, but um, they were seeing something that they didn't like, and, and they made that move. That was another, you know, that's a guy they're going to they're going to probably lose. And I, you know, I, I was shocked by the moves they made at the end. Like I said, you know, it it would have been easy to just say, hey, Miles had a rough spring. He's a veteran, but. You know that they, they like what Cairo gave them better, and, and they made that move. And I, I think that that has always been something that that you know fans rightly question about the Reds. They made a lot of moves, um, not so much under Walt Jockety, but under some past GMs, where they were making moves because it was the the easier thing to do. They would uh, the team was picked uh, affected by options and you know who had the contract and that kind of thing. And I think you can't really say that about anyone except. Maybe Lincoln, you know, he's, he's going to make $2 million. But um, I think, you know, again, when they got Burton down there, Burton's pitching really well in, in AAA, that, that you may see something happen with him. Yeah, that was what I was going to ask you next. You, you, so, so you're, you're of the opinion that if Burton pitches well, Mike Lincoln might be on a short leash. He's going to have to pitch pretty well to hang on to his spot. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I like Mike. He's a good guy. He had a good year two years ago, but I looked it up today. He he was, you know, before he got hurt last year, he was 1-1 one one with an 8-2-2 ERA or something like that. And he's coming off of, you know, he had major surgery. I mean, major. Where they replaced a, um, um, a disc in his neck. So, you know, he, he has a long history of injury. So I, I just don't know if they know how much they can get from him. Um, you know, obviously, experiment with him starting didn't work out, and they backed off of that pretty quick. And, and then he, he pitched fairly well at, 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 in spring training. But, um, you know, I, I just don't think he's that proven um, in light of these injuries. And, and, and Burton, when he's on, he's pretty good. So, uh, you know, I think I think if Burton's pitching really well down there, somebody's going to have to go. And, if, if you know, it, it depends on everyone else, too. You know, if Andrusik all of a sudden it, it, it's it's tough to sustain in the major sometimes. Once they see you and figure you out, they they, they kind of can pick you apart. So, um, I, you know, I expect him to be successful, but it, it's never it's never guaranteed for a guy pitching in the majors for the first time. Yeah, we we sure wouldn't have, have expected Danny Herrera to to be as successful as he'd been when he came up there the first time the first day. Yeah, he, you know, it's it, you always wonder about Danny because he's so little. I mean, he he doesn't throw hard, but I mean. It's pretty hard to argue with his results, you know. Yeah. He came out there yesterday, and it, it, that, you know, the game eventually got away from him when Nick Massett had just a terrible outing, which is which is so rare. But you know, that game was kind of getting him away from him. There he comes in and you know strikes out two, works a one, two, three inning. He's just been. I, I think that's that's the thing that people underestimate. I think people fall in love with how hard guys throw, but a lot more of it is movement, location, and, and he certainly got that down. Let's let's go on the offensive side of the of the of the field, John. Uh, how do you how do you see the the playing time in left and center field shaking out? I think uh, I think you'll see Gomes, uh, Johnny Gomes, and um, and uh, Drew Stubbs get the majority of the time. I think you know, despite it was what was in the starting lineup yesterday, I think uh, Dickerson was in there because he was five for ten off a of Carpenter, and uh, that was the move over. Over Stubbs, and then I, you know, I think they went with another left-handed bat over over Gomes. Gomes tends to hit fastball pitchers really well, but you know Carpenter's so tough. I think they just decided to go with the left-hander and put Nicks out there, and that gives you a little better defense. So, but I, I think those guys were the best in spring training. I think they'll they'll play the majority of the time. I think, you know, I think Dickerson will get a pretty fair amount of playing time. I, I don't I don't think you'll see Lance Nicks start that many games, but, um, you know, I, th- I think those those two guys, I think I think they're going to get, Jay Bruce is going to get the most time. He's going to play nearly every day, and I think it's going to be a little bit split up between the other three, uh, Dickerson, Gomes, and, and Stubbs, but I, I expect Stubbs and Gomes to get the most time. Juan Francisco making this team surprised me a bunch. Oh. Do you think he's ready to be the big in the big leagues, and do you think it benefits him to be sitting on the bench in the big leagues? Well, I think it's a, you know, he, 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 if nothing changes, he's going to be the guy that goes down when league comes up. Okay, so it was a, that was my next question. You know, yeah, basically it was a, you know, he was he Louisville doesn't even open until Thursday, so it was a matter of a few games. 
And, I, you know, I, I know that staff people don't like the guy because he strikes out a ton and he never walks. But he can hit. I mean, he can put the bat on the ball. And, you know, he came up there yesterday and, um, you know, swung at the first pitch and, and lined it in and, and uh, for an RBI single. I mean, if, if you look at his numbers, he's, he's just uh, driven and runs. I mean, it, you know, um, his, his OPS isn't great. You know, obviously he rarely walks. And he strikes out a ton, but he's, he's got it done. And, you know, he's, the other thing, Louisville's a pretty tough place to hit home runs at. I, he wasn't there that long last year, but this guy's averaged 25 home runs a year for the last three years. And, you know, he's another guy. He's 20, I think he's 23 years old. So, um, you know, I think what, what they saw, why they did it now is, you know, we're just we're going to keep him up here. He, he, may, he may get one start. For at third base or something like that, but I think he's definitely the guy that will go down when Lee comes up. Yeah, one of our spotlight guys, Logan Parker's played with Francisco for at least two years, and, and it, Logan says that Juan is the best bad ball hitter he's ever seen. He said he can hit anything, balls, you know, a foot off the ground or six feet over his head or whatever. We're, yeah, and, you know, Dusty Baker talked about that a little that that that's a problem in a way because you get you get the feeling that you can you can hit anything and you know I, I know we talked about it with Brandon Phillips you know Phillips can put almost anything in play so that you know the guys like that they tend to swing at pitches out of the zone and get them in trouble you know um, Phillips has improved on it but um, whether I think Francisco will improve on it but I, I think guys are what they are but I think with his power. His knack for you know being able to put the bat on the ball, um, I, you know, I, th- I think the guy's got a future. I, uh, you'd like to see him walk more, and you'd like to see him strike out less. I, I think he he'll come around a little bit, but um, you know, I, I never see him being a guy who's going to walk hundred times a season or anything like that. Do you think the Reds have any idea where they can play this kid though? I mean, I, I watched him play at third base, and. He makes Encarnacion look like Brooks Robinson at third base. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I think uh, he's young enough that if you look at a lot of guys, um, you know, Derek Jeter's the example. I think he made 40 errors his second or third year in pro ball. I, you know, on his minor league fields, the fields are, are bad and things like that. I, I think he, he can improve there. Um, the other thing is, for a big guy, he runs pretty well. He's got a really good arm. I think, you know, that they may look at him for left field. Um, you know, I think you're going to play some left field down there. He's going to play some first base. Uh, but, yeah, I, you know, he, he has to get better in the field. I mean, um, he, he, you know, I think that's one of the reasons the Reds have been were better last year towards the end was uh, Scott Rowland really solidified the infield defense. And I, you know, um, I think the kid made what twenty five errors last year, so he definitely has to get better at that to uh, to be a major league everyday infielder. You mentioned Scott Rowland. Uh, how many games do you think the Reds can rightfully expect out of Scott this year? Well, I, I think they'll spell him a bit. Um, where you you know you're talking one hundred and thirty five hundred forty games if he's healthy all year, um, but you know he, he's had his injuries and. He's older, you know. I think when guys get older, it, it, it's harder to come back from. But um, you know, I, I'm one who, who you know, I, I wondered about the move when they made it. But when I saw the guy get here and saw what they did with him, and and hear the younger guys talk about him, I think it was a move they had to make. Um, you know, they just had kind of a void in, in the leadership, the on-field leadership. So, uh, you know, it's a risk anytime you bring in a guy who's 34 years old and. Um, 34 maybe 35 uh you know when guys get older they tend to uh like i said just uh you know injuries tend to linger longer so we'll see but i you know he's he's a guy that's in shape uh he plays hard um I, you know again I, I i wondered about the move when they made it but um i, I think now I, I would probably do the same thing you mentioned that he's had problems staying healthy the last several years and, and that and, and i and i think that's a big concern do you think the Reds have a plan B at third base right now? If, if Scott would have to go onto the DL for any reason? Well, I, you know, I, I think there's a chance with Francisco. I think it, and you also could see Todd Frazier there. So you know, they, when uh, you know those guys are all both in the top. You know, Frazier's the number one prospect in 
Francisco is in the, in the top five probably. So I think, you know, they, they can go with either one of those guys. Um, you know, Fraser's probably the better fielder at this point, and, he's, you know, he's going to have a better on-base percentage. But um, Francisco gives you a lot of power. So I, I think they have some depth there that, you know, they could go with either one of those guys. Okay. Uh, how do you think? How do you think the uh, catching is going to shake out? Uh, I mean, I, I assume Hernandez is going to do most of the catching. How much of it do you think he'll do? Uh, I think uh, four or five days a week. I think you'll probably see um, uh, Ryan Hannigan paired with uh, Bronson Arroyo again, and that kind of gets him in there every fifth day at least. Um, you know, Hernandez is another guy. He's he's older. He's a uh, I think he's 34, and for a catcher, that's that's pretty old. I think uh, the thing that Dusty likes about him over Hannigan is he's just been more productive as far as driving and runs. So, um, but I, I, you know, I, I think five days a week is, is probably or four days, four out of every five days is probably the upper limit. And I, I think you may see, you know, when when they have night games and day games mixed together, that you might see Hannigan a little more than that. Out at spring training, John, which one of the young guys that didn't make the team helped himself the most this spring? Truly, yeah, really the guys that had a chance to come in and make the team, they didn't play very well. Um, Frazier didn't. Um, Chris Heisey didn't. So, um, you know, and then, then Frazier came back and played in some games after he was cut, and he, he had a couple of hits. Um, you know, th- those are guys that, that Dusty was familiar with and guys he liked, but I you know, he mentioned early on, and another guy that fell in the same group is uh, Yonder, uh, Alonzo. Um, you know, I think those guys kind of put a little pressure on themselves, and, you know, a lot of fans talked about them. I wrote about them, and, and I, I think that they, they probably thought, you know, they came in they had a chance. And I think when you put a little extra pressure on yourself, that that can hurt you sometimes. And, uh, you know, Dusty mentioned, he said he called that pretty much that group in and said, hey, you're, you can't slug your way on the team. you got to hit your way on the team. And, you know, and, and, and they got to uh, the, the point where, you know, they were all sent out pretty early because they had they wanted to look at those guys for that extra infielder position. So, you know, they wanted to get Chris Burke at bats. They wanted to get Miles at bats once he got healthy. And they wanted to get Cairo at bats to kind of decide. And Drew Sutton was in that mix, too. So, you know, there weren't, there weren't enough at bats for them to go around. But, I, you know, despite not having good springs, I don't think the organization is down on any of those guys. And I, you know, I think the wall go to Louisville and hit, and, and you'll see, you know, one or two of them up here at some point this season. Yeah, that Louisville team's going to be stacked down there. There's a lot of talent going to be playing in Louisville this summer. Do you? Yeah, I, you know, I was, talking to, I was talking to Rick Sweet about that, and he said that the big thing in Louisville is how you catch the ball because it's a big outfield. It's a hard place to hit home runs. And he said, you know, they've been spoiled the last couple of years with Heisey and um, – and stuff. Well, they're going to have Heisey out there, but they're, you know, I think you're going to look at Alonzo some in, um, in left field. So I, you know, I don't know how good their outfield is going to be, and that that, that may affect it. Obviously, they're going to have some good pitching, and they're going to have some some good hitters. But um, you know, I think you know, Sweet said that it's really key to play good defense there. We spent a lot of time on our blog, John, talking about the minor league guys. Do you get to see much of the the, the real, the younger guys when you're out there, or are you just around the big club ninety percent all the time? Um, very rarely. You know, I went back there. Um, I spent towards the end of camp. I spent some time back there just because I was, uh, you know, working on some other things. Um, you know, I, what I get to do a little bit is, you know, put a name to. A, a uh, uh, face to a name, you know. I um, I saw Juan Duran a little bit. I saw Yorman uh, uh, Rodriguez, you know. And uh, you know, I was back there talking to uh, uh, Terry um, Reynolds the other day, and, it, and it was, the kid's last name was Rodriguez. I can't think of his first name off the top of my head, but you know, he said this kid, uh, this round robin tournament, they had men's well had 16 hits, and I guess it's like a 10, you know. I, I don't know how many games it was, but he, he said he set the record for hits there. And, you know, I saw the kid take it at a bat, and he looked great. You know, so it's it's really hard with the, the young guys to kind of sort them out. Um, uh, you know, and, 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 and the one thing about Goodyear is it, it separated more than uh, it was in Sarasota. It was on, Sarasota was on a much smaller piece of land. So uh, once the, 
the minor leagues start, the the um, the major league team does not kind of mix. They don't go back there. They're out right outside the clubhouse. So I, you know, I fall a little bit, but um, you know, mostly what I, I'm seeing is I go by numbers when you see these guys. What's the biggest thing that that got fans like myself and bloggers and like that? that we don't see or that we don't understand about the decisions that team makes on team makeup and player decisions and that kind of thing? I think one thing they go really heavily on is uh, makeup. You know, that's a big word in scouting on, um, you know, Walt Jockey talked a, a lot about it, you know, with the, the veterans he brought in. Um, you know, Orlando Cabrera is just a guy that, that's one. He's a very outgoing guy, and I, I think they look – they look very hard at that, um, and, and you know, I, I think with with spring training um, and in general, or baseball in general, people go by numbers so much. They obviously saw something from Valentin that they didn't like, you know. And for life of me, I couldn't tell you what it was because he had a pretty good spring, you know. But they were, you know, they were they were seeing something that that they thought he he couldn't be as effective as Lance Nix, and you know, Nix. Nick's gives you good power numbers, but he's not. He doesn't hit for average. He strikes out a lot. So they were seeing something, and and you know, and they're not going to tell you either. But um, I, you know, that that's the thing. That there's a lot of eyes on these guys that are, are scouts and are looking at at stuff that you know fans don't don't see the type of pitches, the break on pitches, and, and that kind of stuff. So you know, I think that goes into the decision just as, as heavily as as the numbers sometimes. John, early in spring training, you wrote an article about Brandon Phillips. And you kind of questioned his maturity, and it generated a lot of discussion on our blog. And I was wondering, did you get any negative response from your readers or from Brandon or from any other players about this article? Um, Brandon never said anything to me about it. And, I, you know, we're, we've, we've been cordial, said hello. I haven't really talked to him since. Um, I got... I would say the response I got from people was four or five to one in favor of, you know, saying I, that I was I was online on what I wrote. Um, and, you know, I, that, to, that what happened when, when he wouldn't talk to me and that, that happened a week before I wrote about it. I thought about this really hard because, I, you know, I, and I, I said it in the article, it's no big deal if he doesn't want to talk to me. There's been plenty of guys that haven't wanted to talk to me for various reasons. And, you know, there's been guys that have been mad about something I wrote about. Well, that wasn't the case with this. This was him saying that I didn't talk to him early enough in spring training. And it, it just kind of, you know, it, 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 it just smacked of jealousy. And, then, and for a guy who's a veteran who should be very sure of himself and is a very good player, I mean, he's a, you know, you can pick apart his numbers a little bit, but he's, he's athletic. He plays, for the most part, he plays very hard. He's been productive. Um, he shouldn't be. I, I, you know, I, I couldn't imagine another guy in that clubhouse doing that to me. And uh, so I, you know, and I, and, and then he had three major incidents last year where you know he doesn't run out the ball, he ignores the take sign, and I'm forgetting the third right now, but I, I mentioned the article. And 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 I think if Brandon gets by that, where he, they're calling, oh, he said his his wrist was broken when it was in her yeah. hand or whatever. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. You know, if, if he. And if he gets by that and doesn't bring that kind of attention on himself, I, I think it helps him as a player. And, um, you know, I, 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 the other thing that I said in there is he's terrific with the fans. He's probably one of their best guys. I mean, he does the caravan, he signs, he's very outgoing with fans. So, you know, he, he has a lot going for him. But I, I think, um, you know, you, you got to learn to play the right game the, game the right way. And, I, you know, I think – he admitted yesterday, or said at the press conference yesterday, that that Scott Rowland has had a tremendous effect on him, and I, you know, I think that's one of the reasons they brought Rowland in. You know, if you see Rowland play the game, he plays it the right way. And the other example I use there is, you know, Brandon always mentions Barry Larkin as his hero. You know, in in 19 years with the Reds, there weren't three incidents with Larkin like that, where not running or ignoring a coach's sign. You know, Barry had his you know, had his, his share of controversy, but no one ever questioned the way he played the game. So, I, you know, I, I, I think uh, it's an ongoing process with that, anyone, and, you know, I, I hope Brandon matures. I, I don't have anything, any personal animosity towards him. I, I, 
towards the guy at all. I, I, you know, I tried to make that pretty clear in, in the thing I wrote. Yeah, and I thought you, I thought it came out very very clearly in your article that, that this was not something that you undertook lightly. If, after writing it, have you had any second thoughts about it? Not really, and I, I'll tell you. And I, I, you know, obviously can't mention names, but I've heard from people inside the organization who, who said I was right on on it. So you know, it, I mean, it was, it, his problems were no secret, and and, yeah. and he and, and they weren't like things that he said all you know. I'm being misunderstood or being taken out of context. They were pretty major things, you know. That that, that swinging at that that three zero pitch on, you know, the pitcher was just struggling in that game. It was that that just that really. In, in, in a clubhouse, that really doesn't sit well because that kind of, you know, put yourself above everyone else, and and players players don't like that. They they want everyone to you know be treated equally, and um, and the same rules apply to everyone. So, you know, I I, no, I don't have any regrets about writing it. Cincinnati is the is a city, and and you see it. You'll know be able to respond to this a lot easier than. But we and we've embraced these guys in Cincinnati, like Pete Rose, like Chris Sabo, and last year was Adam Rosales. These guys that you know play really hard all the time, may not have all the talent in the world, yada yada yada. Do you think Brandon Phillips has gotten hit harder because Cincinnati embraces these kinds of players? Is it a Cincinnati thing or is, or not? Um, I, I don't know. I I think uh, I, I. You see you know, where I'm I going? Think, uh, I mean, I'm not sure I worded it real well, but. Yeah, I I don't think no. I I don't think he singled out. Uh, I I think he would have heard similar things anywhere because, like I said, these weren't just small little things. Um, you know, it they were unavoidable because when something like that happens, when a, a guy defies an order and swings at a pitch, well, the manager has to pretty much throw him under the bus to the press, you know. Um, so, I, you know, I think all those incidents would have would have generated pretty much uh, um, heat in any city, pretty much. Uh, you know, in some cities, he, he'd have a lot more problems than he does here. But it, that's the other thing about Brandon. He, a lot of fans love him. I think he's, he's one of the, the better-liked players because he's uh, – He's, he's fun to watch, you know. He's, he's a little bit flamboyant, you know, and some people would say hot dog. That stuff doesn't bother me at all. I think it bothers some people. But, um, you know, and, and like I said, for the most part, he plays really hard, um, you know. But I, I think one thing that Brandon does, uh, he gets down on himself, you know. he gets He's not happy when he loses, you know, when he when he has a bad at bat and things like that. And I think he, he lets uh, – they always talk about you can't take a bad at bat into the field or, you know, you can't – you got to get past that. I think I think that's one of the things he has to learn to do. Is it tough to walk that line, John, between what you feel like you need to write in your articles and your columns, and can and being able to continue to have a good working relationship with these guys every day? It, it, nah, nah, I don't. I don't look at that. You know, the one thing I don't do is I. I you know, I'm not. I'm not anybody's buddy. They they know that. I you know I keep. He's, you know, I'm cordial to him and say hello. And if I if I see him somewhere, I'll um, I'll say hello. But you know, I'm not friends with anyone on the team, um, and and I never would be. You know, I think that puts you in a bad position. Um, you know, most of the time when I'm talking to a player, it, it's for a story. You know, um, you know, every once in a while, there's some guys that like to chat writers up, and I, you know, I'll, I'll do that. But I, I'm not I'm not buddy buddy with anyone. And you know, um, I think. That, the guys respect what you write, and um, they realize you have a job to do. You know, and, and I've had I've had some run-ins with guys, but um, the one the one thing you have to do to keep respect is you know you gotta you gotta stand up to them. And um, you know I've always done that. And you know the thing I I don't like is when a guy tries to show you up in front of everyone, and that that hasn't happened very often. But um, you know when a, a player pulls me aside and has a, a beef with something I, I wrote. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm glad to talk to him and try to be civil with him. Um, and I, I will say this team, there's there's very few guys that are hard to deal with. It's really hard. I'm just, I can't really single out anyone who's very hard to deal with. I think, you know, some guys enjoy it. Some guys like dealing with the media. Some guys not, not as much. But, um, 
you know, it's it's, uh, it's, it's the big difference between baseball and any other sport. We're around these guys all the time, you know. Um, we're in there in the clubhouse for hours each day. And in the NFL, they, they they might have two or three hours of access a week. You know, we've got that every day. So you're around them a lot. And um, But like I said, I, I try to keep a little bit of arm's length and, and not, not make them say, you know, I, I thought for my friend, how could you write that about me? You know, that's that. I don't want to be in that that situation, and I, you know, I think you, when guys are done playing, it, it, the relationship changes a little bit, and um, you, you might be more friendly with them then. Um, oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm not getting invited to any former or current Reds Christmas parties. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and, you know, um, it, 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 I've never really had a problem with it. Can this team score enough runs to, to be in playoff contention late? I think if, uh, you know, they get what they're hoping to get from Jay Bruce, I think, uh, you know, I mentioned there's there's some players that there's some uh, that aren't proven over a long period of time. I think Drew Stubbs falls in that category. Um, he he had a terrific spring, and he, he was very good when they brought him up last year. Uh, but it was 148 bats, um, you know, I mentioned about other guys, they, they figure you out and, and they're going to attack your weaknesses and you're going to have to adjust to them. Um, so I think, you know, they're relying on a couple guys like that uh, in their everyday lineup. Um, you know, I think they know what they're going to get from Joey Votto. I think they know what they're going to get from Brandon Phillips and uh, uh, Orlando Cabrero and, and, and Roland. I think the other question uh, you, have, you have some of the unproven guys in the outfield, but the other question is health because it, it, it'll drop off in any case. Uh, you know, teams with um, a payroll of 100 or 70 million dollars just they can't afford to have a lot of depth on the bench. So, um, but I, you know, back to the original point, I, I think if, if Bruce and and Stubbs kind of give them what they're they're thinking they're going to get, I think I think they'll score enough to win if. Uh, and, and then again, that's if the pitching's good enough. So you think they, you know, if they, if if, if the, the planets align, they can contend in September. Yeah, well, I think another critical thing is they got to get off to a a good start. Um, when you're a young team, I think it's always it's, it's critical for any team, um, but a veteran team can much easier, more easily overcome it. I think. Uh, you know, if they get off to a good start, they'll start believing in themselves a little more, and I, I, th- I think they can, they can roll. Um, and the other thing I got going for them is this division's not overwhelming. Um, uh, you know, I, I would still pick the Cardinals to win it. Um, they've got the, those two guys in the front of the rotation, and they've got Albert Pujols. Um, but you know, the the Pirates are what they are. Um, I think the Brewers have a lot of questions in their rotation. Um, you know, and the Astros—they uh, all of a sudden got old. So, you know, I think I think it's a it's a, a division where a team can surprise. But um, I think I think these first couple of months, and the schedule's not real conducive to a, a great start. But uh, you know, I think these first couple of months will tell you a lot about what this team is going to do. Yeah, that Pujols guy—he's he, not a bad player. Nope, he's—you uh, <laughs> know—he's just a cut above. I, this, the thing about him is, you know. Everyone talks about how he kills the Reds, and you know, I looked it up yesterday. He he's had 539 at bats against the Reds. He has 42 home runs and 122 RBIs. And, and 530 at bats is just a little short of a full season. That's not a good season for Albert Pools. 42 home runs and 122 RBIs. So it's not like he's been any better against the Reds than he is normally. But he's just that good. Yeah, he's hitting you know, somebody. Just, he's hitting somebody better than he's hitting the Reds. Yeah, yeah. I looked and I, I even looked at last year, and he he did. You know, he plays the Reds a lot, and I think he had his five home runs and sixteen RBI, and that 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 tied for the most he had against any team. But I think he hit three ten against the Reds. He hit he hit for a higher average against like a ten team. So, you know, he's just. Um, I think someone said that Marty Brenneman said that he's the best player he's ever seen, and I. You know, he's certainly the best player I've seen in, in my uh, my short time on the beat. You know, ten years or whatever. But um, you know, he just he just hits the ball so hard. It's, it's he's just got a knack for it. John Dusty Baker's in this final year of his contract. What does this team have to do for Dusty to be back next year? 
I think they have to win. I think that, you know, I think if they go 84 and um, whatever it is, 84 and 78, is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that great at math? I think he comes back. I think uh, Bob Kathleen likes him. I think he gets along pretty well with uh, Walt Jockety. And, I, I, you know, I think that would be a big thing if the Reds could have a winning season. I mean, uh, even if they don't make the playoffs. After you've had nine straight years of, of not winning, I think they have a winning season. And, and the, uh, the other thing on top of that is I think if you look around and, and talk to most baseball people, they, they think 2011 is – is more of the year for the Reds. So I think if he can have a winner this year, he probably gets a, a, another year. Um, you know, and that's, that's just my guess. I, um, and, and I think if, if they don't win this year, I don't think there's any chance he'll be back. Um, you know, if you have a three-year contract and you have three losing seasons and you have a, a owner that's not real patient, I, I just think that they'll go in another direction. And, I, you know, I, I think Dusty knows that. But he, he's a confident guy. He knows he's going to probably land on his feet and you know he's older now and I um you know I, I don't think he uh I don't think he's going to do anything any differently than he has in the past and uh um but I, I think he realizes that he needs a good start to to kind of build confidence with this team and um uh, you know I think that's why there was such a you know they took so long to make the decisions on the final roster I think there was you know I'm sure there was people on both sides of of each argument, but I, you know, like like you said, I think it's really hard to argue that they didn't try to bring the best 25 out of Arizona. Well, John, that's all I've got, and that is going to wrap it up for us. And as always, I want to thank you for the giving us your time. We really do appreciate it. I can imagine how busy you are with the season starting, and you got you've been gone for what a couple of weeks, month. We really appreciate your time. Six weeks, yeah. All right, man. Anytime. Hopefully, we can talk later in the season. Thanks again, John. Take care. Thank you.